Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Breaking news from Chris Lowe at this moment. Nick Saban is retiring. Six national championships, the greatest coach of all time. I think he'd gotten to the point where he felt like he had given everything he could to make Alabama a championship contender every year. And this was the right time, the right place for him and his wife and his family to walk away. I wonder how much that Nick Saban was thinking about this long before anything happened this season. He's the kind of man that says, you know what? I enjoy doing this, but at a certain point, I want to be with my family. Welcome to the show. We are on Sportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, ESPN2. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Hello, and Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you on one of the most significant days in sports history. Over the last 24 hours, the greatest college football coach of all time, I believe out of nowhere, walked away after those 17 seasons, the seven national championships, six at Alabama, 297 career wins over 28 years, Nick Saban is no longer the head coach at Alabama. ESPN, our family of networks, has been all over it. We're going to give you the best sound, the best guess all throughout the show today as there's a lot to digest. Good morning, Smalls. Good morning, Cece. Good morning, Good morning. Ev. Good morning, Smalls. Yeah, I, I didn't know quite how to react just because I don't remember the college football landscape. I don't remember the sport without Nick Saban. Like, I mean, anytime you think about the significance of the sport of college football, you think about Nick Saban. He's the coach because he is the pinnacle. He's the GOAT. He's the standard by which all the other coaches are measured. You're talking about somebody that won six national titles in a span of 12 years. And when we bring up competitive greatness, being at your best when your best was required, that is Nick Saban. He's got the most wins against AP top 25 teams since the history of the poll, it's since 1936. He's got 109 wins against AP top 25 opponents. This guy is the definition of what it means to be a coach. Uh, I mean, quite literally from the art of coaching special that he's done with Bill Belichick, the books he's written. Nick Saban is, you know, the epitome of college football. They are synonymous, and I think that speaks to the greatness that is so singular. Absolutely. And we've been so focused on one great coach and what his future might be in Bill Belichick that we weren't even speculating about Nick Saban and what his future might be. This seemingly, as you said, Evan, felt like it came out of nowhere yesterday. I think for me specifically, it feels like it came out of nowhere because he was one play away in overtime from going to yet another national championship game. He's won six national championships in a 12 season span. And we talked about how we would pick Alabama as the favorite to potentially win one again next year. So it's not as if the program had lost a step or he had lost a step or that we could see the writing on the wall for this. But I give him all the credit in the world for saying, you know what, I've done what I've done. My legacy is cemented and maybe it's just time. A lot of people wait for the moment to tell them. So I really give Nick Saban all the credit in the world for being proactive there because it's a really sad state of affairs when a coach, especially one of this ilk who is in such rarefied air, you have to watch it erode. And we never saw that with Nick Saban. No question. He is the greatest coach we've ever seen and we've never seen him bad. 
Never. He's the greatest coach we've ever seen, and we've never seen him bad. I don't like to acknowledge that Belichick had a bad year the last couple of years. You two and everyone else would acknowledge that. We've seen Belichick not be the greatest coach of all time. Yes. We have never seen Nick Saban not be the greatest coach of all time. Now, let's walk through some of the, this timeline as to how we got here. So, Chris Lowe, ESPN senior college football writer, was the one who broke this story. He immediately joined Paul Feinbaum yesterday and desc- described how Saban came to this decision. This is something he's done the last few years. As I think after the season, he and his wife, Terry, have, have gotten away and assessed where they are with their lives, where Nick is with his career. Uh, this is, was not something that he did for the first time this year. And, you know, soon after they got back from the Rose Bowl, they went down to their place in Florida, talked about it, came back, thought about it. I don't think anybody knew, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think anybody really knew what was going to happen. I mean, you, you talked to people at Alabama over the last few days, it had been business as usual. Uh, but Nick is old school, as you well know, and the first people he wanted to know uh, were his players. And he talked to his players, he told them, and um, I think it's, again, something that a lot of people around that program thought there might be a chance of it happening, but I don't think anybody saw it coming in the last uh, couple of days. All right, there was Lowe. He was on with Feinbaum, and here's Paul's reaction, courtesy of SEC Now. Not surprised, Al, because there's been signals pointing toward this for a very long time. But the problem is every time you dare to breathe that, somebody wants to punch you in the mouth and say that he's never going to retire, that he'll be there forever. But the reality is, I think he knew how special this season was. He beat the odds, don't forget, the 4th and 31 at Auburn when when nobody expected them to do it. And then he did the unthinkable. He ended the Georgia hopes of a three-peat. And I think that was very special to him because he stopped Georgia and went to the playoffs. At at the Rose Bowl last week, a lot of people came out of there going, there's no way he would walk away. And the narrative got drowned out. Uh, but deep down, I think he knew this was the moment. Win or lose last week, it was a great time to leave. Paul Feynman with very interesting comments, guys, because normally when we think of Saban leaving on top, we think of him literally winning a national championship. Mm-hmm. This year felt different than any other year because this was the year where people early on, understandably so, with the loss to Texas and the poor play against South Florida, looked at them and said, oh, they're not the same. And then their seven points and overtime loss away from the eventual national champs in Michigan. They revitalized the career of Jalen Milrow to a point that he is going to be a Heisman favorite next year. Someone is going to inherit that program with someone that could win you a national championship next year. That there was a level, I, I like what Paul's saying there, because there's a level of accomplishment that feels different than maybe any other Saban year. And maybe in his mind, he is walking out on top. Yeah, I guess you can look at it that way. I mean, I sat here and said after the semifinal that I didn't envision Nick Saban winning another national title. Now, I didn't think I would be right for this reason. But you are right. That he would walk away a week later. But I I do think there is something to be said for the parity that we now see in college football because of NIL, because of the transfer portal. And I'm not saying that Nick Saban is afraid of the challenge. What I am saying, it's becoming increasingly difficult to live up to the standard that he was able to establish at Alabama since he got there in, what, 2007? So, I mean, I think that's the situation now with Nick Saban. It's like, can I continue to enhance the legacy that I've already built in a decade and a half at this school 
And I think the answer to that question is no, which is why he walked away yesterday. Yeah, and he is leaving the program in an amazing spot, which no I'm doubt. sure was important to him. He built it up to be this juggernaut, and you don't want to leave it in disrepair. You don't want to be the person that has it all erode around you and then says to somebody else, oh, this is your problem, now you deal with it. <laughs> but I guess that's one of the the sneaky, pervasive legacy points for me about Nick Saban is that it doesn't really matter how college football evolved. He was able to not only evolve with the times and evolve with the landscape, but still have that same level of excellence. He could beat you with defense. He could get you get, finally get a quarterback. He could beat you through the air. He could beat you on the ground. Oh, transfer portal, I'll be sure to still be on my top, the top of my game with that. NIL, no problem. But guys, he's 72 years old. At some point, you have to worry about your life instead of your career. And we know how close he is with his wife, his family. And I just think that he probably felt like with everything that's going on in college football and the state of the program, maybe this is time. Smalls the ageist. Well, it's another, it's another, it's another she went after Virginia, Virginia McCaskey. McCaskey. Belichick <laughs> and Carroll are next, by the way. They're in their 70s. <laughs> by the way, here's the thing. I don't know about you guys. When there's a seven to begin my age, I want to be chilling. I don't want to be convincing 18-year-old kids to do something. Well, I want to be hanging out, especially if I have his bank account. Can I give you a stat involving his age? So I'm glad you walked me into this because I had this in my notes. He's mm-hmm. 72 years old, right? He's coached in college football for 28 years. God, he, has, he has more... Years on earth than he does losses. Oh, my God. That is. He has 71 losses stat. and 72 years on earth. That is That's a impressive. crazy Think stat. about that That's for impressive. a second. But when he got there, see, this is the thing. We think about Alabama as we think about Bear Bryant, Gene Stallings in the middle, and we think about Nick Saban. Well, I was living in South Florida doing shows at ESPN West Palm when he left the Dolphins to go to Alabama. I'm not going to be the Alabama coach. He didn't take over. He didn't, which he's right now, by the way. He's not going to be the Alabama coach. No. He didn't take over what he's leaving Dan Lanning for Morgan or someone else. No. Do you remember Mike DeBose? Do you remember Dennis Francione? Do you remember Mike Price, who was hired and never coached a game because there was an off-field thing that they discovered? Do you remember Mike Shula's time at Alabama? Mm. This is a this is a guy that totally revitalized the program and made it into this. He didn't pick up where he was, was leaving. Yeah, he's not else. following Bear Bryant or Gene no. Stallings. That's not no. the situation. But Greg McElroy, who played for him, former Alabama quarterback, ESPN college football analyst, was on game night last night here on ESPN Radio with Q Myers and Emmett Golden and said it was clear from the day Saban arrived this was going to happen. I was a part of a group that was recruited by the previous regime, but I mean, we bought in, man. I mean, we bought in as quickly as we possibly could. Just as soon as he got there, you just knew it was going to work. And it was going to be really hard, and he was going to ask a lot of us, and the challenges day-to-day were going to be grueling. But in time, it would be worth it because we knew we'd win. Now, could I have envisioned us winning a national championship in my first year as a starter in 2009? I mean... Like, in my heart of hearts, I would say probably not to, to see us elevate that quickly. But you just knew in time it was going to be successful. And partly because of the things that he emphasized. I mean, he never talked about the score. Uh, he never talked about you know the end of the game and, and what we needed to do to get there. He talked about playing each and every play as if it has a life of its own. And they coined that as the process. And focusing on the task at hand, being where your feet are, and focusing on dominating what's right in front of you. There's Greg McElroy. It's amazing when you look at the numbers, guys. 124 different players drafted in 17 years. 44 first-rounders. That's the legacy right there. The 44 first-rounders? The 44 first-rounders because every kid that's in prep, every kid that's in a junior college that has gone to Alabama, they all think about getting to the league. It's all about trying to get to the next level, selling these kids on being able to monetize their athletic ability by being a draft pick and being in the NFL. 
And Nick Saban did that forever. He did that better than anybody else. Until NIL, that was the NIL. Hey, I'll give Nick Saban three, maybe four years, and I'm going to be able to be a multimillionaire. That's what it was. And so that's why year after year they would lead college football with the amount of five-star recruits that they were able to get. Hell, they even had five-star recruits on the bench for a couple of years before they even sniffed the field. Mm. But that was because all of them held on to the promise that Nick Saban could get them to the league. To me, that is the lasting legacy for Nick Saban when it comes to college football, how many kids he got to the NFL. And, by the way, to add to the lasting legacy, no class recruited by Saban that spent at least four years at Alabama didn't play for a national championship. Tom Izzo had that stat forever at Michigan State as well as a basketball coach, but they only won one. Only. They won one. Let me take the only out. Yeah. He won six. So not only were you playing for one, you're probably winning one. And the weird thing is, my lasting memory of Saban, the greatest of all time, like the one moment is he had the, the two gutsiest decisions by any coach I've ever seen in football. One, Sean Payton onside kick to start a second half in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And he benched his starting quarterback at halftime of a national championship game. And that starting quarterback's name is Jalen Hurts. And Think it, about and that. And it worked. Oh, did, no, they won because of I that. Know, and yeah. it worked. He is so good and has such an understanding of his team that he benched his starting quarterback that got him to a national championship game. Now, we are not going to see him coach another game. Chris Lowe, ESPN senior college football writer, told Paul Feinbaum that this was always going to be, as CC said, the way it was going to go down. Someone asked me out in L.A., is there any chance that he would do this and and then sort of say, I'm going to coach my last year? No way. There was never any way he was going to do a victory tour like we've seen some coaches do. He was going to decide, he was going to make his decision, talk to his family, and then he was going to be done. And that's what happened today. All right, so there's no farewell tour. He's done. Someone has to replace him. That is not an easy job. There are many layers to Saban retiring. We're going to continue the conversation coming up. You could be a part of Unsportsmanlike Nation on the Dr. Prepper call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper. The ones fans deserve. A guy who won a Super Bowl and a college football national championship somehow has second billing in his termination yesterday. Pete Carroll got outdone by Nick Saban. We will continue the conversation about Saban coming up. We are on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Evan Canty and Michelle are Unsportsmanlike. 
Shocking breaking news, Nick Saban is retiring. Nick Saban will do anything and everything he can to help them move forward. He will be a resource for them. Uh, you can kind of bet your last dollar on that. And I think they'll sort of look around and see who they feel like is a fit. I think Dan Lanning would probably be first. I uh, would think that they would probably look at Kalen DeBoer. And they might look at Mike Norvell. And I think had Mike Elko not taken the Texas A&M job, he probably would have been in the mix. And then beyond that, it could be anybody's guess. Like always, Christine Lisi said it right. Shocking. You're not going to find a better word than that. Shocking yesterday. Nick Saban retired. We are unsportsmanlike with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, presented by Progressive Insurance. Your small business keeps you on the go. Progressive Commercial Insurance keeps your policy within reach with our easy-to-use mobile app. Learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Guys, not to get too sentimental and emotional, but that's what I do in life. Um... I'm not good at the goodbyes, as small as mentioned, small as is mentioned, but in general, we are all experiencing something as sports fans now that is very much a changing of the guard. We don't have Tom Brady and Peyton Manning playing football anymore. No. We're going to potentially have Bill Belichick doing something else, or if he's still coaching the Patriots on a prove it year, like if do or die kind of year. Potentially with a general manager. Potentially with a boss, right? Just, just out of curiosity, and, I, and I'm just spitballing here, yeah. and I know this is a sidebar. Does Seattle transitioning away from Pete Carroll as the head coach make it a little bit easier for Robert Kraft to transition away from Belichick? Just yes. when you when you think about the age factor, yes, like moving on from Pete Carroll, won a college national championship, won a Super Bowl, played for another one, like one of the best coaches in this you know last three or four decades of football period. Yes, like moving on from Pete Carroll in a roundabout way, it feels like it almost gives them permission to say, "Hey, it's okay to turn the page." Yeah, I thought the same thing. He's he's the franchise. Pete yeah. Carroll is the Seattle Seahawks. And for him to make those comments insinuating that he still wants to coach and them wanting to go in a different direction, I thought of New England instantly because yeah. they're in this same conundrum, and I do think it makes them easier to follow suit. Here's yeah. why I would say no to that. If Mike Reed's Patriots reporter is coming out and saying Vrabel's availability does not impact the Patriots' decision-making, I don't think that the Carroll – decision-making should impact the Patriots' decision-making. I know what you're saying. There's a, there's a through line of older coach, been there, accomplished a ton, let's move on. But anyway, you cut it. Pete Carroll is not the coach of the Seahawks anymore, right? Nick Saban is not the coach at Alabama anymore. Mike Krzyzewski is not the coach at Duke anymore. Roy Williams is not in college basketball anymore. There is an overall... Two of those are by choice, though. Yes. Yeah. But, but overall, we are looking at the state of sports right now and we have a massive changing of the guard. Like, at some point, LeBron is going to walk away. It doesn't feel like it's going to be anytime soon, but at some point, that will happen. And we are in the midst of, like, a three- to five-year run right now where so many of the legends that we grew up on are no longer in the sport that we are watching them. And Saban was one of those guys that you just thought, well, he's going to coach forever. He's not mm-hmm. actually going to stop. We have never seen him bad. And maybe... Maybe he looked at his best bud in coaching in Belichick and said, I don't want anyone to see me bad whenever that moment may come. But somebody has to replace this guy. Ryan McGee, ESPN senior writer, host of Marty and McGee, was on game night last night here on ESPN Radio and discussed the idea of replacing Saban. Everyone will be reluctant because of that. They, they will. It's just, listen, you're going to hear Dabo Sweeney's name a lot. You know, Dabo was on the 92 National Championship team, which is one of the best football teams I've ever seen in person. It broke my heart as a college student at Tennessee. Um, you're going to hear Lane Kiffin's name. You're going to hear a lot of names of all these guys who were head coaches in a lot of different places, part of this massive, massive, sprawling saving coaching tree. And the money will be amazing, and the resources will be second to none, and the history and all that. But I tell you guys, when you walk into that building, there is literally 
literally, when you walk into the Malmore Athletic Center, there are these giant, like larger-than-life heads, these big statues. And it's, you know, all the coaches who've won national championships at the University of Alabama. It's Wallace Wade, and then it's Bear Bryant, and then it's Gene Stallings, and then it's Nick Saban. And if you can walk past those four giant cast-iron heads with the confidence to take that job, then, by God, you take it. Because I don't believe a lot of guys will be able to get past those four heads. <laughs> Replacing a legend is not easy. Mm-mm. Someone's going to have to replace him. Someone may have to replace Belichick. Someone's going to replace Pete Carroll here. Would you guys be attracted to this Alabama job if you were an elite-level coach? Yes. The infrastructure is there. They, they've shown as a school, as an institution, that they'll support their head coach and facilitate his greatness, putting all the pieces in place in order for them to have sustained success. I, I don't understand why it wouldn't be a good job. Again, I don't think shying away from expectations is something that the coach that they need to replace Nick Saban would actually do. You, do you understand what I'm yes, saying? The absolutely. person, the right person for the job is not going to cower in the, in the shadow of what Nick Saban was able to do. Now that doesn't mean that there won't be unrealistic expectations in the first couple of years when he takes over the program, whoever that is. But I guess my whole point is if he's built the right way, if he has the right DNA that makes him a fit for Alabama, following Nick Saban is not going to be something that scares him. No, you're absolutely right. They will embrace the pressure. They will relish the pressure if they're the right person for the job. But this is going to be a very interesting process because Nick Saban had been so great for so long that he was the singular person at the head of the pyramid. Yes, there was probably people within the institution, boosters, etc. There's a lot of people with juice at Alabama, but nobody had more juice than Nick Saban. He was allowed to run this thing the way that he wanted to. And whoever they bring in, I wonder if they are going to be able to have the same amount of runway or the same amount of autonomy and how they run the program. This is a job that not only has the legacy, but has a lot of pressure to succeed right now. I don't think that the fan base, the alums, they're not going to stand by and watch Alabama find their footing in whoever takes over from Nick Saban. They're going to demand success immediately. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that person reacts if they don't find that success right away. Every sign seems to be pointing to former Alabama graduate assistant and then Georgia assistant coach and now Oregon head coach Dan Lanning. He seems to be the one that everybody is pointing to. Does here. it have to be somebody that has ties to the program? Well, I'm going to say something that uh, may not uh, be so nice to some people, but here we go. I would not ha- hire the head coach that has the most ties to that program. I would not hire Dabo Sweeney. Can't hire him. Sorry. Like, in the new wave of college football, like, that guy has not proven to be good at the way that college football is today. With NIL, Transfer Portal, he played for Alabama. He loves Alabama. We know that. We've seen stories around him forever. So, the guy that is most closely tied to that school is someone that I would not consider. He was deemed Just a, saying. as the heir apparent to that job forever. Forever. Would you guys consider Dabo? No. He hasn't leaned into the transfer portal. No, I like, can't he's have not, someone. He's not great at the portal. Like, he's coaching that's, a different sport. That's requisite for the job yes, now. Like if, right. if you're not all in on portal and NIL, then you're going to have a hard time being able to get the best talent and keep the best talent. It's not just about those two signing periods. It's also about being able to recruit the players that are on your roster year-round. Otherwise, those guys are going to leave and go into the portal the next window that they get. So 
I don't think Dabo has leaned into it the way that he should, which is why it's probably not a good job for him. Yeah, isn't timing funny? Timing is everything because for so long, for so many years, we had this penciled in as this is the guy. Dabo's the guy to replace Nick Saban. But not only has he not adapted to the new landscape of college football, he's coming off a nine-win season. It's the first time he hasn't won double-digit games since 2010. So he doesn't have the record that he once did. We're, we're seeing a different version of Clemson. So it's definitely not a foregone conclusion. I'd actually be really surprised if they gave him this job. Andy in Auburn joins us here on Unsportsmanlike on the Dodger Pepper call line. What's up, Andy? Man, I hope y'all doing well this morning. Uh, to answer your question, you know, whoever comes after Saban in Alabama, you, you don't have to look no further than at LSU. When it, Before Saban got to LSU, they were just a, a irrelevant program. I mean, once in a while, they would have a good season. Saban got there, turned that program around, won a national championship, and when he left LSU, Two coaches came behind him and won national championships based on the system he had put in place there. I mean, you can't go no further than look at what he did at LSU after he left. Um, you know, this is something else that you got to look at, too. Uh, when you look at his record, look at everything that he's achieved. Go around the Southeastern Conference and look at how much money each university has spent in firing and buying out their coaches. 54 different coaches since Saban took over in the SEC. Mm. When Saban took over, since then, there have been 54 different coaches that have been employed as a head coach in the SEC because he has gotten basically a lot of them fired. fired. Yeah. He's, he's gotten a lot hired, too, and a lot fired. All right, we're going to continue the conversation on Saban. Plus, it's amazing that a first ballot Hall of Fame coach getting fired yesterday is a second story. We will dive into Pete Carroll, no longer the head coach at the Seattle Seahawks. Next, it's on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Having Canty and Michelle are Unsportsmanlike. ESPN's Adam Schefter's reporting. Pete Carroll out as Seahawks coach after 14 years, expected to stay with the organization in an advisory role. The Seahawks felt like this was the move to make right now. It's been an honor and a thrill to be part of this program, and uh, I've loved every minute of it, and you've watched me love it. It's a remarkable job, both at the collegiate ranks and in the pros, but at 72 years old, you knew what was coming at some point. I don't think any of us saw it coming this season. Oh, by the way... Pete Carroll got fired yesterday. 
We are on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Hello, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Yeah, I mean, it's remarkable. We are sitting here at 6.33 a.m. Eastern Time on Thursday morning on a day in which Pete Carroll, one of the greatest coaches of our lifetime when you think about college and pro, you know, Jimmy Johnson, Pete Carroll, there's not many that have done what Pete Carroll has done, and somehow he is page two, so to speak. Nick Saban retires. Pete Carroll, earlier in the day, gets fired. Pete Carroll did meet with – I want to be clear, actually, before I throw to the sound on this, guys. When I say Pete Carroll got fired, he got fired. You know how to, how to read this stuff from an NFL perspective. Yes. He got fired, right? Yeah, there's no question about it. When you heard his remarks at the podium, I mean, it was clear that he still wants to coach. He still feels like he has the juice. And so that was one of those moments where I actually felt bad for a coach going out. Why? Like, I felt Why? No, I felt bad because I feel like Pete deserves better. He, this is a guy that deserves to be able to go out on his own terms, and it's not as if he's far gone. His team had a winning record this season. So the fact that he doesn't have an opportunity to step away on his own terms based on what he's been able to do for the Seattle Seahawks organization and the game of football as a whole, not just in the NFL but in college as well. It just it just feels a little bit cringe, you know? It, it, it seems like this is one of those situations where Seattle is turning the page because they recognize they have the oldest coach in the sport. And I just I just don't feel like that was – I don't feel like it's right to treat a legend like Pete Carroll in that way. I co-sign that, absolutely. He deserves better than that because he had said days prior, I'm not tired, I'm not worn out, I still want to be coaching this football team. And you could see and hear his emotions yesterday talking about this. But I do wonder, though, when when is the end? Like, we keep saying he deserves a chance to go out on his own terms, but so many of these guys don't know when it's time. And sometimes people have to step in and do it for them. Not everybody is Nick Saban that is just going to walk away of their own volition when things are going well. And even though the Seattle Seahawks certainly weren't in disarray, no. they, they missed the playoffs. It's only the fourth time since Pete Carroll was hired that the Seahawks failed to make the postseason. So it's not as if it's been a big downward slide. But I do wonder, at 72 years old, if if he thinks that he could do this for another 10 years. You know, those people in the building have to sometimes step in and say, Really, how much longer do we have with you? And with with so many other openings happening in the NFL, is this the time where we make our strike for the future? Yeah, one thirty seven eighty nine and one. Uh, his record in Seattle, one of those losing seasons that you mentioned, they actually made the playoffs and won the division. Obviously, that was the Marshawn Lynch Saints game um, that people remember in the postseason with the earthquake or the the shaking because yeah. of the crowd. Super Bowl winner, one and one in the Super Bowls. Obviously, we know about the the interception with Malcolm Butler. Eleven of fourteen years winning records and eleven of last twelve with winning records. I mean, the guy's been remarkable, but let's let's hear from Pete Carroll, who did let it be known that he tried to convince ownership that he still should be coaching. Well, I, I competed pretty hard to be the coach, um, just so you know, because I, I just wanted to make sure that I stood up for all of our coaches and the players and the things that we had accomplished, and not not so that we could be the coach still, but so that we could continue to have a chance to be successful and keep the organization going. That's what I was fighting for. So I, I, in that regard, that was what I was representing in our discussions, and uh, we got got to a good part. Good, clean spot where it made sense, and, and uh, you know, I went along with, the, with their intentions. Pete was also asked if he can continue coaching elsewhere. Is well, the right opportunity saying. to become a head coach uh, somewhere? We'll have to wait and see. It's, today's about today. I don't know that. Okay, so I, I'm surprised by this. I can't, like, I can't believe they actually made this move. It is maybe a year too early versus too late. Like There is that part of it that they're never going to actually see a demise with Pete Carroll. But there's two things that I thought of with Pete Carroll's future off of this. Number one is... The connection to Steve Kerr, 
He did a podcast with Steve Kerr. When the Warriors' new group with Bob Myers and Steve Kerr went and started, they went and visited Pete Carroll. Bob, Why am I bringing up the Warriors? Bob Myers is with Washington and the Commanders. I wonder if that's a thing. But I want to pitch something to you guys. Mm. So Pete Carroll is known for positive reinforcement. Pete Carroll is a pat in the on the back guy, not a stab in the back or stab in the front guy. Pete Carroll is a culture changer. Pete Carroll is positivity. Pete Carroll is old enough now really going to Smalls here on the ageism, uh, <laughs> old enough where he could have that executive role. David Tepper, Carolina Panthers, offer him whatever the hell he wants. He should be the head coach. And part of being the head coach, he should also be the team president. And you should make him bring a coach in waiting with him. Change the entire culture. David Tepper should get out of the way and hand this franchise in Carolina to Pete Carroll. I Give get, him the team. I get why David Tepper would want to do it, but I want better for Pete Carroll than that. I don't yeah. want him well, stepping into a tie. What better could there be right now? Nah, why, why, would uh, no. why would he want that? Because you that can't job? get rid of the owner. Like, the owner, David Tepper, has already shown you who he is. When somebody shows you who they are, believe him. That's right. Do you think Pete Carroll will get a head coaching offer in the NFL this no. year? No. So if no. that's the one, no. because we have said all along, guys... But I don't think he does. Here's the thing. Yeah. Just because he doesn't get a head coaching offer doesn't mean he can't be integral to an organization trying to rebuild their program. Pete Carroll can step in and be an executive. He doesn't have to be the GM. He doesn't have to be the team president, but he can be a special consultant. He can help you go through your coaching search. He can help you develop your head coach. He can help you develop your program overall because, like you said, this guy has an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Yeah. He's the oldest coach in the NFL, but nobody would know it just because of his overall demeanor. The guy said it in his in his in his press conference yesterday. He said, "You guys thought I should I would be on a cot somewhere after the long season." He's like, "I'm not feeling anything like that." Mm-hmm. He wants to be a part of the National Football League, and, and I think he deserves that opportunity. He's earned that opportunity because of what you said, Ev, with the record. This guy's had one losing season in the last decade, and that was a year where Russell Wilson missed multiple games on his way out the door to being traded to the Denver Broncos. So it's not as if Pete Carroll doesn't know how to establish a program that will allow you to compete for championships. Think about it. With Geno Smith and Drew Locke, the combination of those two over the last couple of years, this team has been able to have a winning record in each of those years and be in the postseason. Yeah. And they flirted with it again this year. They just came up a little bit short. I, I, I just don't understand why people would think that he doesn't have a place in the NFL, even if it's not in a head coaching role. But it seems like that's what he wants, though is to be a head coach. That Every signal that he gave us yesterday was, I still have the energy to do this. This is something that I still want to do. He obviously said, I'm not thinking about it right now in the immediacy of this, but I do wonder if there's a team that will pick up the phone and call him, even though he's in a Carolina. Set. But why would he want to do that? That situation because feels... Because if that's the only one. But I don't know if that would be the only one that would offer him. Now, You're... listen... I, they may pick up the phone and have the conversation. I don't know with his age if that's a place. They yeah, because they're years away. Yeah, they're year- years. Years away. But not only that, why would you want to go from a situation where you have established the culture, you are the organization, everything runs through you, to go to a place where that's not going to happen with ownership, and you have to build it from the ground up? It just feels like at this stage in his career and at this stage of his life, that's not a headache that he would want to take on. But I, I do wonder if there's some other teams out there that would pick up the phone and call him and say maybe we get maybe it's a three-year contract maybe it's a two-year deal just just come in establish something get us to that next place and then we'll proceed from yeah there. just bottle up the gravitas that comes along with Pete Carroll and sprinkle it into your locker room yes. and into your front office yes. like that's what you want to do that sounds like Atlanta then CC they're kind of ready-made you get like you're gonna not like this because you're not a big fan of this guy but what if you brought Russell Wilson with him to Atlanta 
I wouldn't hate it. I just don't know if there would be room for him in Atlanta with Terry Fondo, the GM, and Rich McKay, the right. team Rich president. Rich McKay kind of has the job. Yeah, 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 exactly. I don't know if there's room for it, but but I'm with you, though. Because it's like, like that's, there. That's it's the there. type of role that yeah. he needs to be in. I'm with you. But just looking at Pete's legacy overall, I mean, you're talking about somebody that won back-to-back national championships at USC and could have won two Super Bowls in a span of three years in the NFL. One one play away. Yeah, one play away. And and I guess that's the part that seems a little unfair when we think about Pete Carroll as a head coach. That is the lasting memory. It, it's not the, the natties at USC. It's, it's not the Super Bowl where they demolished the Denver Broncos. It's deciding to throw the ball instead of handing it off to Marshawn Lynch on the one-yard line in Super Bowl 49. I hate that. But, it it's, not, I, but it's not I, true. I, no, you're It's right. not not true. You're right. Everything we have said about Saban is a positive. We're not bringing up him leaving Miami with the Dolphins. We're not even bringing up Jalen Miro in overtime. Although We're I do hate that. that. Although no, I do hate no. that's the last play of that his coaching last, career. That is right, but I mean, like, yeah, but we we only are going to bring up the positives with Saban as we should. Just like we should only bring up the positives with Pete Carroll. But you're a thousand percent right. When people think if you're going to do name and word association. Pete Carroll is, why didn't you hand the ball off? That's what people think of. Not, yeah. not the elite of the elites. Nobody does what he did. Nobody wins college and in the pro. Look at Harbaugh. He, we, he may go back to the NFL because it's, it's killing him that he didn't win a Super Bowl. Alex in Raleigh listening on 99.9 The Fan in North Carolina. What's up, Alex? Not much, man. I appreciate you taking my call. Uh, in the 30-plus years of my life, I would say Nick Saban, uh, Definitely has given me some sports uh, dominance and some sports moments. Uh, Pete Carroll at USC uh, and definitely uh, Bill Belichick. Uh, for me, it was the uh, Rose Bowl with uh, Vince Young would stand out for a sports moment that's linked to uh, Pete Carroll for me. And uh, also not giving the ball to Marshawn on the one. Uh, that'll be another one. So you're just going to list uh, all of the worst moments of this right? guy's career? <laughs> I mean, no, I'm serious. And thank you for the phone call. I'm not saying they, do, they don't exist and they're not on his resume. Sure. But that we're going to bring up Vince Young in Texas, great team, beating him. And we're going to bring up that with the not throwing, not handing it off against the Pats, Malcolm Butler interception. And we're not going to bring up Leinert and Bush and that team. And we're not going to bring up pummeling Peyton Manning in a Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, we're not going to bring up the positives? Oof. What a day yesterday. Saban retires. Pete Carroll fired. And oh, by the way, one of the top markets in the country and one of the most historical teams in all of football made a decision on their head coach for next year. And it's not Saban and it's not Pete Carroll. We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This 
This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. The Bears are not making a head coaching change, and Matt Eberflus is expected to return for the 2024 season. They're trying to build a culture in a locker room, and if everybody is on board with one guy, it's hard to move a different direction. I think probably they're just thinking, hey, man, patience may pay. If they decide that they want a new quarterback in here, that's the same cycle that they've been following for a very long time, and that does nothing to move the franchise in a different direction. So Saban's out, Carroll's out, Eberflus is back. We're on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Hello, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Coming off of just a wild day in sports. I I still can't get over the fact that Nick Saban is not the coach of Alabama and that Pete Carroll was fired. It it feels like Mike Vrabel not being the coach of the Tennessee Titans happened a month ago. It does. And that's no longer the surprise firing. No. No. Right? I mean, Pete Carroll is more of the surprise firing than Vrabel. And obviously the surprise move with with Nick Saban, which we sat here, by the way, and we'll get to Iberflus in a second. We sat here through the last however many weeks saying there's going to be another wave of the coaching carousel once Harbaugh makes his decision, right? Because if Harbaugh goes, what we said was, well, then if Jerome Moore is not the Michigan coach, which he probably should be and will be if Harbaugh leaves, someone's going to get that job and they're not getting it. From nowhere. Well, now someone's getting the Alabama job. And what did Pete Thamel mention? Our ESPN college football reporter. He mentioned names. Dan Lanning, Oregon. $20 million buyout. Marcus Freeman, Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Mike Norvell, Florida State. $4 million buyout. James Franklin, Penn State. And Dabo Sweeney, Clemson, I believe, are the names that have been thrown around. $7.5 million buyout. But think about the schools. So we're going to have a whole other round of a coaching carousel here. But we're not going to have it, at least for now, in Chicago. And I say for now because I'm still not 100% certain. I'll explain coming up here. Mm. But uh, let's take a listen to what Ryan Poles, the general manager of the Bears, had to say yesterday in why he made the decision to keep head coach Matt Eberflus and his 10-24 and record. Everything I talked about in the beginning, just in terms of his leadership and stability, I really think that the head coach needs to be able to captain the ship when the seas are storm, or the, when the seas have storms and really keep everything settled when you go through hard times and you can keep everyone together to me that's like the critical piece uh, in a big and a market like this like you have to be strong i mean if he's jumping off the boat and everyone else starts jumping off the boat it's a hot mess so the stability was a big piece of it if it's not for him i really don't think that's the case i think it starts to crumble everyone starts to do their own thing so to me that was a, a critical piece in this so the he re- ain't wrong no, he's not. He's not wrong. They won five of their last eight games, right? So, I mean, there's something to be said for all of the adversity that this franchise went through earlier in this season with having to fire two assistant coaches for presumably HR issues, Justin Fields, and saying that, the, you know, or intimating that the coaching staff didn't put him in the best of situations. Like, uh, they, had, they went through a lot as a franchise early on. And you saw in the second half, after the Montez sweat trade, the defense started playing better, and as a result, the team started having success. So when you look at that, knowing that that's how Iberflus ended in year two, I just think that there is something there in terms of being able to develop into a good head coach. I don't know if I'd qualify him as a quote-unquote good head coach right now, but it's trending in the right direction, and I can understand why the Bears organization – doesn't want to give on that, give up on that right now. Are we sure, though, Smalls, without an extension, that he's definitely going to be the co- Like, they said that now. What happens if somebody becomes available for them that is interested in their job? They fired their entire offensive staff basically yesterday. Well, that's why I can't really understand the, the notion of keeping Matt 
a Matt Eberflus around because you want to keep everybody together and have that stability, yet you fire his offensive coordinator and four other offensive assistants. So you're not keeping the band together. You're not keeping the stability there for him, for the, the people that he has in place. So it kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit. But I also think if they were going to make this move, why wouldn't they have done it yesterday? They had extensive meetings with him for two days. They decided to move on from Luke Getze and from those assistants. Why wouldn't they just make sweeping changes if they weren't 100% sure that he's the guy there? So let's play it out for a second. Let's say they had no idea about Pete Carroll, which I'm sure they didn't. Mm -hmm. Is Pete Carroll with Caleb Williams' USC tie not attractive to you? If you're the Chicago Bears... I'm just saying, we I don't, don't know, know what's Car- I don't know that Pete Carroll is going to give you the amount of runway as the head coach to be able to do that. That, well, that will be my, my only hesitation. Like, yeah. I want somebody that can grow along with Caleb, uh, head coach, quarterback tandem that could be there for a decade. You know, I want what they got in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, John Harbaugh. I want what they got in Kansas City with Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes. That, that's what I'm trying to establish with whoever I take with the number one overall pick, presumably a quarterback. So I don't know that Pete Carroll does that for me. Could Pete Carroll be a part of the organization? Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. but is he is he going to be my head coach under those circumstances? Probably not. Like if I'm in the Pete Carroll business as a coach, then I'm in the win now business. Yeah, that the moves yesterday signaled to me something that we we've already come to the conclusion of, which is that Justin Fields is likely out the door and that they are going to use that number one pick with a quarterback. Because if you're getting your OC out of there and all of these offensive assistants, you're likely bringing someone in that is going to grow with the new quarterback. That's that's at least how I read the tea leaves yesterday. I will continue to say though, guys, if he's your guy, make him your guy. He cannot go into next season on the same exact contract that he's on right now. Because if they have a disappointing season, then he's going to get fired. And I'm going to tell you, I was thinking about something yesterday. Mm. C.J. Stroud has screwed up the expectations now for rookie quarterbacks. Because what's going to happen— And he screwed up the expectations specifically for whoever the Bears draft with number one this year. Because the Bears passed on C.J. Stroud last year. Whatever people want to say, the Bears had the number one pick in the 2023 draft. They traded back with the Carolina Panthers. Panthers moved up. They took Bryce Young. C.J. Stroud went number two. But the Chicago Bears could have drafted C.J. Stroud. And so looking back on that decision in hindsight, it was the wrong decision. There's no world that exists where anybody would make the case that Justin Fields is or could be a better quarterback than C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud is a better football player right now today than Justin Fields, and he projects to be a much better quarterback in the future than Justin Fields. C.J. Stroud has his team in the playoffs in year one. Mm -hmm. Think about how, I guess, dysfunctional the Houston Texans program was over the last three or four years with, with everything with Deshaun Watson, the two one-and-done coaches, Dave Cully, Lovey Smith. Like the, the Houston Texans were every bit as dysfunctional as the Chicago Bears. And parachute C.J. Stroud in there with a rookie head coach in D'Amico Ryans and look at where the Texans are at now, hosting a game on Wild Card Weekend. So, like, I, I, I hear all of the excuses for Justin Fields, and I'm not saying that they're not reasons why a quarterback would have a hard time having success, but you're drafting a quarterback in the first round in part to help your franchise overcome those things. And I don't think Justin Fields is that dude, and C.J. Stroud clearly was. They got the number one pick this year in a quarterback-rich draft. There is a chance that if they hit on that guy, 
he could be somebody that could be a change agent for their culture in a way that Fields couldn't. Well, Stroud won 10 games as a rookie starting quarterback. Texas won 10 games with him as a rookie starting quarterback. Correct. So what happens next year is if theoretically the Bears win 8 or 9, it may not be enough. Eberflus gets fired and you're going to walk into Caleb Williams having two head coaches in your first two years. His results next year, his being Eberflus, the results that he produces next year cannot be determined on whether or not he has a job in the, in the future. You have to extend him now if you're going to keep him. I completely agree. And the other reason why you got to extend him now is to get the most qualified people as offensive assistant coaches. That way you because they're the ones that are going to be hands-on when it comes to developing the quarterback that you take with the number one pick. Give them that stability. No doubt. I'd argue that Stroud may have had a better season this year than uh, Fields will ever have moving forward. Coming up, Nick Saban is not the head coach of Alabama. What? Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.